Wow, I haven't had a weekend quite like that since, oh, I don't know, Lehman Brothers? Going back to all the way 2008, we just experienced, ladies and gentlemen, the second largest consumer bank failure in history. Silicon Valley Bank going under, the feds having to come in on Sunday night and say, you know what, we're going to guarantee the deposits. And not only that, we're going to make sure that we have a loan window open to any other bank that might be dealing with the same kind of issues. And yet, the President of the United States had the audacity to tweet out, and I quote, thanks to the American Rescue Plan, we've come a long way, with a picture of him and Kamala Harris, his VP, standing alongside him. I mean, talking about tone deaf, we are still on the verge of a major disaster. We nearly experienced a run on all of America's banks, and the president is so clueless as to say, hip, hip, hooray, come on. All right, we're going to get into all of this. I want to talk with you today about why SVB failed, why more could still run the risk of failure, and why the feds had to jump in at the 11th hour on Sunday night so that we could start today on hopefully a little bit of stable ground. We are so not out of the woods yet. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. I am Trish Regan. Portions of today's show are brought to you by Legacy Precious Metals. (laughs) Good time, good time, shall we say, to be looking at something like gold right now. Don't you think? I mean, given everything that's happening, I mean, I like gold in my own portfolio. I use it as kind of a hedge, and sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. But I'm a big believer that long-term, my gold is going up because long-term, we got some problems here, major, major problems. And that's being reflected in terms of all this inflation that I don't think is going away. It's also being reflected in terms of this major debt load that we're struggling with. It's one of the reasons why I like gold. And, you know, if you look at gold, especially on Friday, as we were watching the total demise of SVB, you saw gold, of course, go up in value because it's that sort of safe haven that people like. Well, if you're interested in buying some, go over to LegacyPMInvestments.com. Again, it's Legacy PM Investments. They have a free investing guide. You can also sign up to actually be on their platform. We we can buy the gold directly, like right off the computer, or you can call them at 1-866-589-0560, 1-866-589-0560. But yeah, uh, good day to be talking about gold, I think. Anyway, back to the issue at hand. And that's the risk of more banks experiencing what two banks, one in New York, one on the West Coast. I know the conspiracy theorists are like, oh, there you go. You get the left coast, you get the East Coast, and they're bailing all those guys out. It wasn't t- it's not a perfect bailout, and I'm going to explain why. But you do have a situation where banks don't have the money on hand for all of their clients that want to make withdrawals right now. In, in the case of SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, they had a very specific client base, right? They were all tech companies and tech has been struggling as of late. They, the tech companies needed cash, right? Because they're struggling and it's hard to borrow right now because rates are so high. So they went back to the bank. They started taking money out. All of a sudden, the bank wakes up one day and is like, oh, oops, you know what? We, we don't quite have all this money because that's the way a bank works. It lends money. It takes the capital in and then the capital goes out. But if everybody comes to the bank at the exact same time and they all want their capital and they all want their money, well, the bank doesn't have it. And that's when they run into a good old-fashioned bank run a la the 1930s. And that's effectively what happened on Friday. So once this happened and the headlines were out there, you can only imagine what everybody's thinking. Wait a second, do I have my money? 
in a safe enough bank. And I'll tell you, regionals, they're the ones that are going to get sort of tripped up in this, the smaller banks. And I say that because there were some changes to the regulatory environment a few years ago. And as a result, these smaller banks, anybody who had less than $250 billion worth of deposits, they actually were not subject to the exact same liquidity rules and stress tests and all those other things that came into place after 2008 to prevent the big guys from having really big problems. So consequently, they may not be as well capitalized. Not that they're into, you know, strange things. I mean, people are like, oh, yeah, they're probably lending in these strange vehicles. And not really. They were actually just buying treasury bonds. But they bought treasuries at a time when treasuries were paying out like, you know, 1% interest or 1.5% interest. All of a sudden, the Federal Reserve says, oh, we're hiking rates because we could deal with this mass inflation, which, by the way, the Fed and the government, Capitol Hill, Joe Biden, everyone created. So consequently, those bonds that they had, that was sort of, you know, their assets, well, they were all dropping in value. So when everybody says, I want my money, then they have to go and sell the bonds and they have to sell them at a discount. And well, you get the picture, right? So that is the good old fashioned bank run that we saw on Friday. And the Fed's like, nope, we're going to shut you down so that we don't have a complete collapse. And then Signature, that was the other one in New York, which lent mainly to law firms, they experienced a very similar scenario. So the Fed said, wait a second, we, we got to do something about this. They sat down with Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen, who used to be head of the Federal Reserve, knew a thing or two about it. And they thought through what they could do to prevent a kind of contagion. Now, everybody's worked up and they're like, wait a second, this is a bailout. It's a bailout. It's not fair. But in actuality, it is not a bailout of the shareholders at the bank, nor is it a bailout of the bondholders at the bank. It is, if you would, a securitization of the money that people put in the bank. There's an expectation. Of course, when you open a bank account, you're going to put this money in, you're going to get it back. Well, in actuality... That's not the case. You're only insured up to $250,000 per account in one bank. So if you're a couple, well, you have $500,000 that you're insured by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. $500,000 will be insured as an individual, $250,000 high net worth individuals. They tend to spread their money around among different banks so that they have that guarantee. They have that insurance. But in the case of this one, Silicon Valley Bank, you're dealing with actually a lot of businesses. So businesses small, medium-sized tech businesses had a lot of money in the bank because they just kind of used one bank and they were using one bank to meet their payroll. Payroll, which could be a million, two million dollars, and they were going to have to meet it on Friday. And they're like, whoa, what does this mean? I can't get my money. And as we were going into the weekend, I'm thinking, they may not be able to get their money for a while, right? Because now it's being controlled by the federal government and they only have to insure it for $250,000 per account. And think about the ripple effects of that, what that would have been. It would have been pretty significant because you would have businesses that couldn't have met payroll. They would have gone under. They couldn't have met their obligations. And that would have spread. But even more than that, it would have caused, you know, an economic situation, economic pain. Even more than that, the fear factor that had started to set in. If we were opening today and people couldn't get their money out of Silicon Valley Bank, can you imagine how scared everyone would be? I think everybody would think, wait a second, where's my money? How, how do I know it's safe Maybe I don't want it in a regional bank. And there would be this sense that they couldn't trust anything, right? Now, if that had happened, you really would have been looking at a 1930s depression-style environment all over again, because that's exactly... Think about... Remember that movie? It's a Wonderful Life. I love that movie. We watch it every Christmas as a family. Anyway, there's that great scene where George Bailey, 
who runs the whole building and loan, his family's bank. Everybody comes to him and wants their money. It's like, they, it's literally a bank run. People are running into the bank and they're saying, I want my $20, I want my $400, I want my $200. And he's like, wait, wait a second. You know, we don't have it right here. You see, it's lent out to this one and that one and this one and that one. And he finally convinces everybody to just take what they need and calms the situation down and they make it through the end of the day. And, you know, Mr. Potter is unable to take over the bank. It's really, it's quite neat. Go check it out. I think you, you can see it. It's the bank run scene from It's a Wonderful Life. Anyway, that's kind of what was going on. And it was possibly going to go on on a national level. I still think there is some danger as we go into this week that a lot of people are going to rethink anything they may have in a regional smaller bank that's not subject to the same kind of scrutiny as the big guys. So any small business or medium-sized business that's banking with one of these regionals may say, wait a second, I don't want to go through this headache. Let me just pull my money out and put it into Chase or Bank of America or Wells Fargo or one of the big guys, and I'll be more secure. We've kind of had this two-tiered banking system, if you think about it, right, in a way, with the big guys being subject to all these liquidity restrictions, et cetera, all these stress tests ever since 2008, and then the regulation changing for the little ones in hopes that they had a chance to one day become one of the big ones. And yet now, I think a lot of that is going to get rethought. Because of what we just saw and what we're about to see. Anyway, it's all kind of frustrating because you look at it and you say, the reason, the reason this bank was in some of the trouble it was in was because why, oh, the tech sector went wild. And why did the tech sector go wild and then have that bust? Because the Federal Reserve printed too much money. Joe Biden and the Democrats gave out too much money. There has been so much money in the system, so much inflation that it created an environment that was ripe for these kinds of crises. I've said this all along, and you know, sometimes you just don't even know, you can't anticipate what it's going to be. We've been thinking maybe a systemic crisis of some sort. Maybe they were making bad loans. In this case, they weren't even making bad loans. They were just treasuries. I mean, they were bad loans in the sense that they were treasuries that were you know, trading at, at a lower level because they were only paying about 1.5% interest rate. And now on a two-year, you can get nearly 5%. So that was too bad for them. And they didn't properly allocate for the risk period that they were entering, nor did they probably even understand the inflationary period that we were going into. They're not listening to this podcast. And they were drinking the Kool-Aid with Janet Yellen and Joe Biden and Jerome Powell trying to say, oh, it's it's all just transitory. Don't worry, don't worry. Well, they didn't worry, and then they got caught in this really bad situation. So the, the executives are not being bailed out. The shareholders are not being bailed out. The bondholders are not being bailed out. But the people who had deposits there, they will get all of their money, and their money is available as of Monday, as of today. So, yes, people might be angry about that, but then you think about the flip side. What might this have looked like? if government didn't step in to kind of salvage things there at the 11th hour. I think it would have looked pretty bad. I think it would still look pretty bad. And you know, don't forget, like, the rule of unintended consequences. We don't entirely know what we're missing here. A lot of people had hoped that the Bear Stearns situation would take care of any real problems in the subprime sector and, and in the banking sector in 2008. And you know what? It didn't. It didn't. In fact, you had a much bigger problem down the road. So I think Bear Stearns was probably in spring of 2008. Yeah, I'm just looking this up right now. Indeed, I am right. Okay, this is kind of strange. It was actually March 16th, 2008, when the bank 
wound up being sold in this fire sale to J.P. Morgan at $2 a share. Remember that? I remember that. I guess that was another Sunday night, March 16th, 2008. And then, of course, it was that fall that Lehman Brothers went under. So we don't know the extent to which this may still be problematic. I don't think we're out of the woods. I think you're in this higher rate environment for the foreseeable future, unless, of course, the Fed decides that it's so scary that they can't raise rates the way they intended. In fact, interestingly enough, immediately after this happened, as we went into the weekend, what did you see? Fed fund futures starting to trade, pricing in a 25 basis point hike instead of a 50 point basis hike, meaning that everybody's thinking the Fed's not going to be able to be as aggressive as it wants on interest rates because of the fragility of this financial environment. Okay, speaking about bailouts, (laughs) we got a lot of bailouts during COVID, did we not? Well, not everybody benefited from that. Interestingly enough, if you were someone that did the tough thing during COVID and you you kept your employees or some of your employees and you continued to pay them and pulled your business through the pandemic, well, I got a little bit of good news for you from one of our sponsors. You can now qualify for up to $26,000 per employee benefit. This is not a loan. This is, this is a check to you. And you can qualify at covidtaxrelief.org. Government funds are available. They're there to reward companies that had two or more employees and stayed open during COVID. It's not a loan. As I said, you don't have to pay it back. The program's a little bit complicated, but nobody knows it better than the CPAs and tax experts over at covidtaxrelief.org. You don't have to pay anything up front. They do all the work and just share in a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits, including churches, they can all qualify, including businesses who took PPP loans, even if they had an increase in sales. So if you did the tough thing and the right thing by your employees during COVID, let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Just visit covidtaxrelief.org. That's covidtaxrelief.org. covidtaxrelief.org today. Meanwhile, I mentioned at the top of the show how tone deaf the president was by sending a tweet saying how great the country's doing thanks to his American Rescue Plan. I mean, he had another plan in there, right? The Inflation Reduction Act, which did anything but reduce inflation. I think it really speaks to the challenging environment that we're in, given not only sort of his tone-deaf lack of appreciation for the challenges Americans are facing, including the threat of not being able to get their money out of the bank, which is what they were going through just as he was tweeting that. But also it tells you so much about where he's at and where his party's at. We got the budget, of course, last week. And you heard me tear into that one because he wants taxes up on individuals, on corporations. They have this idea that somehow they can just keep bleeding the American public, but they fail to really understand the study of economics, which is that you need people to be incentivized, right? And and they don't do anything to incentivize anybody to want to do anything. And as a result of that, we are going to be facing some massive long-term issues in our economy. So this blip that we're seeing, so to speak, with SVB and the other signature financial, I think there's going to be more of them. I think as we move into this higher rate environment, all of these companies that have treasuries on their books at 1% or 1.5% or anything, it doesn't even have to be treasuries, right? It can be mortgages, anything. Rates were so low for so long. kind of low rate. But if you can't hold them to maturity, and a lot of businesses, a lot of corporations may not be able to, a lot of banks may not be able to, well, then that's when you start getting into this really troublesome area. And unfortunately, 
it was effectively all created by the Federal Reserve, and now they're they're trying to fix it. So it's a little frustrating because it's like it's like we're a hamster, right? We just keep going around on this wheel. We keep creating problems, and then the Fed has to fix them. And then when they fix them, they create another problem. Anyway, you know who's not a hamster? <laughs> Although he's not much bigger than one. <laughs> it's my little dog, Fluffy. My little Maltese Fluffy, whom I just adore. And you hear me talk about Rough Greens every day because this is the supplement. These are the nutrients that I feed him. The company's doing just great. It's very, very unique. It's just been taken off like a rocket. You know, every few years, a product will come along that really, I think, captivates everyone because it has practicality to it. In this case, I'd argue that it's really overdue. We've got all these vitamin supplements out there for humans, and yes, we need them, but what about for our dogs? We care about our dogs, right? I care about my dog. If you have a dog, I'm sure you care about your dog. You know, there's 85 million dog owners right here in the United States of America that are now realizing Dog food is kind of like dead food. The founder of Rough Greens, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, is a former airborne ranger, green beret, helicopter pilot. He has combined vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, probiotics, tons of antioxidants, all the good stuff, right, to help your dog feel better and live longer, increase their energy, improve their digestion, improve their, their coat. I keep joking about Fluffy's fluffy coat, but I'm not kidding. It's fluffy, and it's gotten fluffier and fluffier since he's been taking rough greens. Indeed, Dr. Black and his dogs, he's got a couple big ones, they are committed to this. Really, well, he's committed. His dogs, I guess, they're committed by virtue of being with him. But they are offering right now a free Jumpstart trial bag so your dog can try this wonderful supplement. All you have to do is cover shipping. You don't even need to change your dog's food. You just add a small scoop of this every day to whatever your dog is eating. So get your free Jumpstart trial bag. It can be at your door in just a few business days. Go to roughgreens.com forward slash Trish, my name, roughgreens.com forward slash Trish. And by the way, it's R-U-F-F. You get it, right? (laughs) I want to say this. On Sunday evening, last evening, I stumbled across a tweet from one of the congressional representatives, Republicans. And in this tweet, she was accusing another member of Congress during a debriefing with the Undersecretary of the Treasury, or one of the deputy secretaries, of asking whether they were going to restrict misinformation about the SVB situation, the Silicon Valley Bank, on Twitter and on Facebook. So I don't know how Treasury responded to that because she did not say, but she was sort of alluding to the threat that there may be a clamping down on information again. That that really worries me. We have been through a whole lot, have we not, everyone, over the last several years? It's all coming out right now, by the way. And in the case of this particular bank bailout, look, I'm a conservative and I don't like bailouts. I don't like the government in there. In this case, I think this one's a little bit different because it wasn't the executives. It wasn't the bankers. It wasn't the shareholders getting bailed out, so to speak. It was just the money that was actually technically there because they had all those treasuries, as long as you were willing to hold them. It it was the depositors that were getting their money back or guaranteed by the federal government. So it's it's not really a perfect bailout situation. But she made an important point by showing how another representative, a Democrat, was so immediately willing to shut down any discussion about whether this was the right thing to do or not. Now, I think it's a very interesting discussion. And I think a lot of you may disagree with me. Some of you may agree with me. Some of you may not care. But it's a discussion worth having and one that we should be able to engage in. 
if you can't do that, then you really do have these problems. I mean, we, we have seen it over and over again. Anthony Fauci out over the weekend accusing people, including Elon Musk and some conservatives who believe that he really misguided the country and actually should be prosecuted for it. He's accusing them of being insane, crazy, I think was the word. But this isn't really entirely crazy. Now, I get it. He's defending himself. The problem is he was never just defending himself at any point in time. He actually aggressively was trying to stomp out a particular line of thought. And this is what we're going to learn more and more of as more information comes forward. You know, the FTC, however, is investigating Elon Musk and Twitter. They announced that investigation last week. Lena Khan, who runs the place, is looking into all the emails that went back and forth that, that involved Elon. They claim that they have the right to do this because they got an order to do so ahead of the company being sold. Huh, convenient how that happened, right? So they want to investigate Twitter and they want to know, this is what's really, really creepy. They want to know every journalist's name, every journalist who got access to any of those Twitter files. Because what we have learned, keep in mind, and this is from Matt Taibbi's reporting because Matt has the Twitter files and he's been leaking them out. We learned that the deep state had a very big role there at Twitter and they were constantly bombarding Twitter with requests from Treasury, from Health and Human Services, from Homeland Security. And so finally, Twitter said, wait a second, this is going to be streamlined. Let's just go through the FBI. So then the FBI was in there and then the FBI, well, the FBI took the cake. When they shut down or they made Twitter shut down a New York Post account because they had found that Hunter Biden laptop. And then anybody who talked about that laptop, woo, watch out. I went through it myself over on Facebook. By the way, please follow me on Twitter and on Facebook. Please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you hit the bell everywhere you can. Twitter has one now too. And of course, over on YouTube, hit the bell, rumble. I'm there, locals, I'm there. They have aggressively worked to shut down and muzzle or shadow ban anyone who stood in their way. So allegedly, according to this congresswoman, they're thinking about doing it again just with this bailout. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get shadow banned again, even though I actually thought they did the right thing in this case. But it's always something. It could just be as, as little as me saying, you know what, we're in a recession when we have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And that happens to be the classic definition of a recession. Nope, can't say that. It's misinformation. We are no better than China right now. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tune in every single day. I am here on audio, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course on video at YouTube. Go to my YouTube channel, the Trish Regan channel, the Trish Regan show over on Rumble, and I'll see you tomorrow.